Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Look One Look Sports Media League One podcast. I'm joined today by Sam and Hello. Matt. Welcome, guys. Good evening, chaps. Hello. How are we doing after this weekend's action? Fantastic. Fantastic, boys. There's a big contrasting emotions here. We've got the got two fans at the top of the screen who are probably very disappointed, and then one really happy chap at the bottom. <laughs> Uh, well, someone needs to be excited about how their team's doing. How did we get on at the weekend, guys? Yeah, two win, two one win for us. Um, oh, just, I, I've, got, I've got to be honest, but I keep having it, keep pinching myself that we're third in League One. I mean, I mean, to be in League One as a, as a Stevenage supporters, like you know, the promised land, but to be up the top of it is, um, yeah, truly phenomenal. So, yeah, two one win for us, eight unbeaten in League One. Yeah, we're just on a bit of a bit of a crest of a wave at the minute. We just got to keep going. We just got to keep going through Christmas. It a is certainly, yeah, it, it's outstanding what you guys are doing. And you know, we, we've said before about how you've exploited the weaknesses of League One this season. It does look a weak league, and I don't think anyone can deny it. Mm. And you look at some of the teams down the bottom. Um, yeah, I'll stay quiet on that one. Um, <laughs> But you look at some of the teams down the bottom, most of the times those teams under pressure, when they're thriving in those situations, they start to thrive and rise to the occasion. But not many of them look like doing it, do they? No. Mm, no. Do you know, it's such a weird league, isn't it? Like a lot of people have said that it's it's probably the weakest it's been for a few years with some of the sides that left it last year. Um yeah, I mean, for myself, obviously, I've always kept an eye on League One, but I don't know it inside out because we've been rooted to the bottom of League Two for nine years. So it's it's been a bit of an eye-opener seeing it this season. But that seems to be the consensus of it, that it's not as strong. Um, and uh, do you know what I've said on our podcast as well, fellas, that um, I think the thing with League One is the, the top of it, you know, some of the teams up there. I mean, I, I've currently got Portsmouth Bolton on. You look at those sides and then when you contrast it to the sides in the bottom half, it's like night and day, the levels of the sides. Um, I, we had Peterborough um, a couple of weeks ago on a Tuesday. We've got a great point, Drew 2-2. And you looked at the level that Peterborough played at and you just thought, whoa. Like, it's like, it was like they're playing a championship level. So it's weird how you've got that at the top and then and then it's just so different between the top and the bottom in the division you've got yeah. pretty much championship level football and then league one to league two football the other end it's really weird the division but yeah probably, tough one for sure you could probably separate the division to eight threes i suppose you've got the eight mm. really top tier budgets with your portsmouth your boltons your derbies then you've got your eight league one budgets like uh probably your bristol rovers is your wickham's and teams like that and then you've got your eight 
League Two budgets in people like mm-hmm. Fleetwood, Exeter, Carlisle, people like that. And it's quite interesting how the table's actually gone because you've got the eight big budgets at the top, but then you've got Stevenage in there. Then you've probably <laughs> got the teams you expect in the middle of the table. And at the bottom, you've probably got the teams that you would expect based on budgets. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like as well with this league, I, I think we're kind of doing it. There, there's room for a couple of the smaller setups to do re- to do really well. And I think it's just all about having the right style and the right recruitment. And if you get those two things right, actually, you, you can do really well in this league. It's something that we've, we've done. We've, we've kind of just kept the style, but just upgraded the team and brought in League One level players. So yeah, I think it shows that there is room to do really well in this league. You've just got to get those things right. Um, and e- even now, I know that we're, 20, 21 games in for most. But I feel that even if they're sides that aren't particularly doing great, there's still time for those sides to still turn it around. I don't think League One looks like a division where if you're down the bottom, you can't come with a run. I think it's still an open league where if you're 17th or 16th, if you recruit well in January or you put a bit of momentum together in the winter, you can actually climb the division. A little bit similar to League Two in in a way, but... um, yeah, most definitely. It's a bit of an eye-opening division for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is like um, Shrewsbury recently, they've still only scored 13 mm. league goals mm. in 21 games. They've put a little bit of a run together and have gone from like 19th and 18th up to 11th. It's mm. just about being cons- I think League One, you just need to be consistent. Mm. If to, I think League Two is a little bit different. You can lose five or six and stay near the top where league one is so much more competitive that you lose three or four in a row and you you will plummet down the league yeah i agree i think northampton's another good example of of consistency as well aren't they you know they're kind of bottom four and now they're into the mid table and you're thinking god what are they doing there almost aren't you it's you are right i think the room for uh what's it the kind of margin forever is a little bit tighter in league one you are right i think if you missed a few results you can you can drop um but just just uh just a wacky league, I think we've said on our podcast this season. It's just mental, this division. It really is. I mean, look at poor Fleetwood. Eh? Every week, they just keep getting beat 3 now. I feel so sorry for them at the minute. Like. Yeah, and just like you said about the gap in teams at the top and between the top and the mid-table, Bolton and Peterborough are actually outscoring some of the best teams in the country. <laughs> uh, Liverpool... 57, uh, Villa 55, Man City 55 goals scored in all competitions this season. And Bolton are outscoring them with 63 and 60. It's mental. It's mental. Again, I've currently got them on, on the telly right now. I'm just kind of looking at the level and just thinking, oh, they should be in the championship. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? You know, when you look at it and you just think, God, what are they doing here? And I think that's what makes it a great league, right? I think the interesting thing for me is Portsmouth, uh, not Portsmouth, Peterborough have scored 40 goals and they're top, like usually every year they'll have Johnson Clark mm. Harris and he'll score 25. Mm. Their top scorer this year has seven and it's Mason mm. Clark and Poku. And it, it's just such a bit, they seem to have massively evolved this, this season, especially they've got pace at the top end of the pitch, which not a lot of teams have, I, I don't think, in League One. And mm. they've got a style of play which is exciting and Every year, Darren Ferguson, we know what he's like in League One. He just manages to get into the top six. And if I think if they got a striker in January that would score 15 goals in the second half of the season, I know Ricky J. Jones has scored goals and been involved in goals. But if they got a proper number nine, like a Clark Harris, who will probably go in January because that's the Peter mm. policy. If they got a proper number nine, you could probably see them maybe even touching uh, Portsmouth and Bolton at the top. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, um, no, I completely agree. Like when we played them, again, we got a great point that night. I and mean, we were winning 2 0, but in the grand scheme of things, you could really see the difference of levels. To, you know, I, I thought that night when we played Peterborough, Peterborough were playing championship football. The way they were moving the ball quickly, they were moving it through the lines quickly. The two goals when they moved the ball was, was exceptional. And I thought that. I thought. God, if they had, uh, you know, a marquee goal scorer, you know, spearheading the attack, like a Clark Harris, but obviously he's, he's going to be off. But if they had that, mm. I, I actually think Peterborough could actually win the league if they, if they had a striker like that. Just the football, I, I said it to a few of the chaps, it's probably the best football I've ever seen at the Latinx. It was, it was that good. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was just, it was mental, but I agree about them. I think if they can recruit, 
kind of the players they should in Jan, I tell you, don't rule them out for catching the top two, you know, because they're they're a seriously good side with a good manager as well. Um, so yeah, keep your eye on Peterborough United. I, I think they'll be in the mix coming into the, the season. Yeah, you, you say you say about there's room for error in League One, those sort of things. Last season was a perfect example of it. Mm. You know, Peterborough Sheffield Wednesday playoff final, uh, playoff final. I'm uh, playoff semi final. You've got two mm. teams who probably with the way they approach the end of the season probably shouldn't have been there. Sheffield Wednesday only there because of they were running running away with a league at one point and nobody thought they'd be caught and then they just went on an absolutely dreadful run and um finished on 96 points which any other season gets you promoted but I think with saying they finished on 96 points and had to go through the playoffs people speak more about the run that Sheffield Wednesday had to mm. slip from the top of the table and nobody actually gives Ipswich and Plymouth the credit for catching them up and the things they did. I mean, for me, Ipswich were the best team to watch in the country last season, the football they mm. played. And I I always say their, their run of going without conceding a goal was phenomenal as well. And then they come to Cheltenham and it ends and Cheltenham then decide we're not going to score anymore. We've, we've, all just, <laughs> we, we've completed football. We scored against Ipswich, ended their unbeaten run, and apparently we just decided we'd completed football and didn't need to score ever again. Uh, <laughs> it's quite a common theme not scoring goals in League One this season. Like You've got Cheltenham on 11, mm. Carlisle on 15, Fleetwood 18, Exeter have 12, um, Port Vale 15, uh, Orient 18, Shrewsbury 13, and they're all below mm. that goal per game, which is quite astonishing, really. It is when you look at it, isn't it, the statistics? Because, again, when we talk about the league's probably not as strong as it's been the last few years, you would expect more sides to score more. Mm. So the fact that you've got the other flip of that, where you've got a lot of sides who aren't actually scoring a lot of goals, it kind of, kind of goes, oh, it's quite an interesting statistic, that, I think, for a lot of those sides. Yeah, I mean, again, you look at slipping up and it was Derby who slipped up last season and you played them this weekend, Sam. How do you guys get on there? <laughs> oh, I was hoping we would bypass this game. But, um, what, but by the way, what a cue into that question as well. I like the way um, that was just diverted. You see that? It was beautiful. Um, so I actually thought for the first 44 minutes of the game, we were the, actually the better team. We gave them a right good go. And we should have scored within seven minutes, but our winger had no composure in the box and just completely spooned the ball and missed it. Um, their first goal was quite a good finish by Sibley. I think that's actually his first goal of the season as well. Um, it's a common goal that we've been conceding, not engaging with the uh, attacker who's running at the box and letting him shoot. Um, our centre-half was then sent off for a pretty stupid elbow, to be honest. Um, and that kind of set the tone for the second half. We kind of uh, sat sat in. Um, they scored uh, a, a second goal, which was preventable, I think. And then the third goal, if you've not seen it, just type the Derby hashtag or the Orient hashtag into Twitter uh, X and put the Benny Hill music on it. And it's <laughs> so comical. Our, we've taken the corner short, in inverted commas, to the edge of the box. They've intercepted it and we've got nobody back. And they've all just charged up the pitch. There's about six of them that could tap it in and they tapped it in for three. Um, we had a goal disallowed at 2-0, which I thought was onside. But um, going into the game, um, after the recent performances, it was more for me seeing a team that had fight and give us something positive. And I could see positives from the performance. Go, go, losing to Derby is not going to change our season. It's... Uh, Cheltenham is obviously our big game this this Sunday. If we lose to Cheltenham, then I'm going to start pushing the panic button. But yes, it's I think it's nine without a win. But I, teams are going to have these sort of runs, especially a young team who's still trying to learn the league. I, I think if we beat you at the weekend, I will help you push the panic button. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a big red button on my wall next week that says panic. <laughs> I mean, you, you said about 
Benny Hill theme music over it. It's it's just such a theme for League One sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> There's so many things you could edit over. Um, another theme is red cards. So many red cards this season, and mm. um, in a league without VAR as well. Um, you look at Cheltenham Oxford a couple of weeks ago. There's two red cards in that one. Both of them were silly challenges. Uh, Rob Street was sent off for an elbow, funny enough. Um, and then Ruben Rodriguez with a second yellow for just kicking the ball away from a player he'd already fouled and wasn't getting a <laughs> yellow for. Um, I, just on referees, I actually think the way they've handled a lot of games, I still think the performances overall was a package of poor, but what they've been consistent with is if you kick the ball away, you're booked. And I criticise referees a lot, but they at least they've been consistent. If you boot the ball away or try and stop the game in any way, you get booked. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those that's it's sometimes it doesn't get followed, sometimes it does, and it's just... I mean, I, I still remember Robin Van Persie being sent off in a Champions League semi-final for shooting two seconds after he was <laughs> offside. And he gets that. a second yellow. Um but yeah, I, I was surprised to see as well, uh, uh, when I was at work on Friday, I was actually surprised to see, a, a Friday, it was Saturday, I was actually surprised to see a foul throw being called in the Premier League. Yeah, there was, there was two of them at uh, Luton, wasn't there as well, which is quite impressive. But we, it's, crazy, we, it's crazy to think that, that, that it's got to that point, you know what I mean? But you are right, they are consistent with it. I, mean, I think that's the one thing. They are at least they are consistent. They don't always make the right decisions. I mean, God, we've had it this season, but um, but they are consistent with it, which uh, it's difficult, isn't it? They're, they're trying to stamp down on 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 the nitty gritty bits, aren't they? In football at the minute, your 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 foul throws, your time wasting. So, but it's it's really difficult for them, isn't it? Because they've got to. They've got to make a start with it. And I think this season's the first real season where we're seeing them make that start of, you know, stamping down on these little things. So, yeah, yeah, it's just... Uh, do you know what? I, I like the referees. I just haven't liked them very much for us this season, fellas. That's the only thing. But I don't, I don't have a problem with referees in general. <laughs> I mean, we we talk on the referees as well. Uh, the talk of sin bins recently. And that's... Uh, bit of a Sunday League thing, but it's already around in Sunday League, but obviously it's a different level, but if it was done anything like Sunday League, it would be so oh. poor, because I have seen players in Sunday League sent to the sin bin for five minutes, and then the referee has forgot about them for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and then it's sort of like, how long has it been ref? Oh, 15 minutes. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm kind of visioning in my head as well? Could you imagine it a game, like a League One game? big game someone gets a sin bin and there's this like see-through box in the corner where they go to the open the door there's a little bench in there they sit in there could you imagine the abuse that that player would get if they were just in this see-through box it, it, right to the corner with a seat in there and had to sit in there for about five ten minutes that do you know what it would be entertaining wouldn't it it'd be a bit like the uh elimination chamber matches in wwe then yeah. <laughs> could you imagine like if they put like a a clock on top of the box so there was a countdown for the person so you go 10 9 8 like a massive countdown and they come back on the pitch incredible immediately goes back in after exiting it as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. one thing we did skip over from the Stevenage game was the Burton Albion news uh, Dino's sacking mm. uh, it's the fourth straight defeat uh that Burton uh, suffered. And it was a really brief statement from the chair chairman as well. I think it was something like 13 words where he just said he worked hard with limited resources and done his best. I mean, it's, a brief statement make. is a really... It's almost insult to injury, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that is... Um... Yeah, not great, is it, for, from from Burton? Quite coincidental, actually, because Dino played for our club. He was a coach. He managed us four or five years ago. So it was quite coincidental that we were the the the, the team that played him after he um, after he's lost his job. But um, 
yeah, not great from the chairman because Dino, see, the thing with Dino is, and I remember him as a manager, Dino. Dino's always really good for a couple of years. And then there seems to be a pattern in his career that whenever he gets to that third season, he always really struggles. And he did it, he did it with us. He's done it with Burton. He, he has, I think um, Ed Walker on Twitter summed him up perfectly. He called him a fighting manager. And and he and he's a really good fighting manager for a year to two years. But then when you need that experience of creating success in a, in a top division like League One, he's just not there yet. And yeah, I, I, I think that was really poor from, from whoever put the article up because he kept them up, didn't he, Dino? And, and Burton at destined to go down. And look, I know we talk about the league's not as strong as it's been for a few years, but it's still a great league with some great football and it is tough to do well. Um, I've got to be honest, it, I don't, don't want this to sound bad, but I think from watching the game, Burton were probably the worst team I've seen this season. So I know that they've got problems and maybe it was leading down a path where they were going to get someone in. But again, the article could have been a lot nicer and a lot more appreciative of, of what Dino's achieved there. Yeah, yeah they're, they've had a really weird season so far, haven't they? They started off like garbage, then had a really good September and October and then just forgot how to play football again. Um, mm. But I don't think they've had many injuries either off the top of my head. Um, but again, it, like most teams at the bottom, they just don't create anything and they don't have a goal scorer. They rely on one or two of their mm. better players to do everything and just hope that they provide this little bit of magic. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, just as we just as we've mentioned goal scorers, Portsmouth have just scored on the, on the, on the edge of half time. There you go. <laughs> uh, I mean, Burton, they feel like a team who've had their moment, you know, they, they've yeah. got a, they've had a, they've had a cup run. They, they played left. Uh, well, I say they played Leicester. They've had an even better cup run since then where they played city in the cup. Which I mean, I I was actually living in Burton at the time when uh, City were they drew City in the cup, and it's just for the novelty. We figured we'd get tickets. We did not get <laughs> tickets. <It> was, <laughs> we we didn't even try because we uh, we got there. We saw the queue and we just thought, nah, and turned around and went home. Um, but they they've just fallen off so much. They they've lost a goal scorer as well, and they've not been able to replace any of the players they did lose. And yeah, it look it does look troubling for them. And I think you could see them slip to League Two in the next couple of seasons if the theme continues with them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they, they kind of all pinned their hopes on like Cole Stockton, didn't they? And now there's talk that he's actually going to be leaving in January as well. Uh, and with the Dino sack in. Uh, there's talk of obviously it brings talk of who's next. There's quite a few in trouble. For me, it's between mm. two. It's between Matt Bloomfield at Wickham, or as I've said about six for six weeks in a row, and it's still not happened. Is Gary Caldwell at Exeter, who I don't think they've won for about three months. Um, mm. The only thing I can think of with Gary Caldwell is that Exeter can't afford to sack him. Um. And Wickham with Matt Bloomfield, it's kind of that club legend status and they don't want to sack him. But if Wickham did sack him, I wouldn't put it past them. Just go, Gareth, come back, help us out. And that wouldn't be surprising. Mm. Yeah. I think they need a manager who's got a certain identity as well. Like I, I felt with Burton when we played them on Saturday, that they had no, they had no identity. They had no style... You didn't really know their route to go or, or or their kind of way of finding a way of how to win matches. It, it was just very, uh, some of their play was just pointless. And I think they need a manager who has a certain identity of style of play that, that, that the team can associate with. And, you know, then he has time in January to bring in the players to suit the style. I think that's the way Burton are going to have to go about it because, uh, do you know what, if they don't, get the right appointment. I think they might slip this season personally because they're just, again, if Stockton leaves, I mean, they've, they've really got no one in the final third. So I think that's what they're going to need in this next appointment is someone who 
knows the style, knows a successful style and, and brings players to suit that style because I, I just I don't know about Burton. They look they look very poor. Just just had no identity about them on Saturday. Yeah, and I mean we, we say about Exeter, they uh I mean, like you said about Gary Coldwell, probably can't afford to sack him and yeah, he did recently he did sign a new contract recently, didn't he, with Exeter? Not sure. I don't think so. I can try and find out quickly. Um, but they they lost probably one of the biggest games they'll play this season at the weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah that played, was the, the big one, wasn't it? Yeah, they played a Port Vale team who are just as poor as them. Um, and it just, they don't look like they can, they don't look like where they, they know where the goal is. No, the 12 goals, wasn't it? I think I said. Yeah, 12 goals in 19 games. And considering, I think, 10 of them goals are in the first six games of the season when they were top of the league. Uh, yeah, I remember when uh, we played them in October because I went to that and they were top of the league and then they had a couple of players on international duty. We beat them and then I don't think they've actually won since. So, so uh, it's 11 games without a win for Exeter and the board got co- uh, the board backed Coldwell at the end of November. Oh, the, dr- the dreaded board. The dreaded <laughs> board's backing. That's when yeah. you know your time's very close. It does feel, football does feel very robotic in that sense sometimes, doesn't it? With managers yeah. and that sort of thing. I mean, even in the sacking race, some have mentioned uh, Richie Wellens with you, but I, I don't think he's in trouble at all. No, we, we, the problem we've got is, I've got to be careful how I word this because I've become in trouble with a lot of Orient fans. There was some calls on Twitter for sacking him, but... I think we've got a bit caught up in how well we did last year and winning the league. You've come into a new league with a lot of new players, a young, like Wellens is still a very young manager. Um, We've got a young squad and they do need time to adapt and learn. And there will be periods of the season where we struggle. And a lot of our fans are comparing us to Stevenage and going, well, look how well Stevenage are doing. I think there's two completely different recruitment policies. Like Steve Evans is an extremely experienced manager with promotion winning teams from League One and has he knows exactly what he wants from his teams and he coaches them with an inch of his life. Um, and regardless of the team they play, they don't change their approach where a lot of teams like us do. So maybe it's a little bit of naivety, but it's a young team and I think calls for Wellens to be sacked are a bit stupid, personally. Yeah, and I, I think I think what he's done for you last season is going to take him above. Um, just in sticking with the bottom of the table theme, we'll move down right to the bottom. Uh, Daryl Clark, I still can't make my mind up with what he's done with Cheltenham. I can't. I mean, we, we drew one all with Bristol on Saturday. And... We, it sounds absurd that we had one shot on target, and I still feel like we've come out with two points lost there. Um, Clark recently said we need fifteen wins to stay up, which, given we're on free, he's banking on a pretty impressive winning run somewhere. Just trying to think, fifteen wins. To, so, I mean. I, I I don't think you'll need that much. No, I think they need too weak at the bottom. Yeah, I mean normally yeah. I thought if you could, let's say snag thirteen, and then if you've got draws there, get over that mark. Maybe fifteen's a lot. I mm. think to stay up. I think it, the next four are kind of define Cheltenham season. They've got Orient Saturday, Carlisle on twenty third, Boxing Day they got Shrewsbury, and the 29th they got Reading. And then I suppose you could chuck Northampton in there on New Year's Day before playing Bolton and Portsmouth. So. Yeah, we until the end of January, we only play three teams outside of the top half of the table. So we've seen what we can do against Portsmouth. We got a draw against them, but I, I just think... I mean, you look at our results against some of the top half teams last season where we played teams like Barnsley. Barnsley battered us 4-0. Um 
the, the weirder part was we played Plymouth on Boxing Day, lost 1-0 after playing them off the park. Probably a questionable refing decision that uh, cost us a point because Alfie May went down in the box. And then when he went over to ask for linesman, uh, if he if he was fouled, he got booked for talking to the linesman. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we played Plymouth off the park on Boxing Day in the league. And then a couple of months later, we're playing them in the EFL Trophy semi-finals. And we're losing 4-0. And we talk about how teams play differently in the cup and the league combined, you know. When we weren't really in much trouble last season. I wouldn't say we were, you know, Southwood kept 16 clean sheets for a bottom half goalkeeper. That's outstanding. I had no hopes of him coming back, by the way. And he doesn't even look the same keeper who came back to us. Yeah, it's but interesting because it, he was on my shortlist. So I did have like a shortlist of goalkeepers that I wanted for us to come. And he was on, I think he was sixth on that list, I put. And the, the other the other shock there was with Reading coming down to League One, was that they wouldn't keep a keeper who'd kept 16 clean sheets in League One the last season on the books. Hmm. So whether it's whether it is their troubles or... They just didn't see a place for him, I don't know. But I think when a keeper's kept 16 clean sheets in League One and you're coming down to League One, you're going to want to keep that keeper. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I agree. It's difficult, isn't it, when you come down? The recruitment process these days is so cruel, aren't they? Had to get in there really quickly in terms of the recruitment. I think it was uh, recently Paul Warren said that it's very rare you see money exchange hands for players in League One. I'm pretty mm. sure that was Paul Warren who said that, and that was. When... I, I tell you what, there's a lot of there's a lot of recruitment that gets done well in advance as well. I mean, mm. I I had um, Steve uh, Steve Evans on our pod uh, about two months ago. Steve told a story, and he he mentioned that other managers do it, but he he said that um, when the day that we got promoted to League One that night. He was already on the phone to Nathan Thompson's agent to bring him to Stevenage. Now, at the time, Nathan Thompson was playing for Peterborough in the playoff semi final. And I was like, whoa. And he was like, yeah, we'd already pretty much got the deal done. And I was like, but he, he was playing for Peterborough in the, in the playoff semi final before the, the big 4 0 leg. It was before it all. Um, and it just opened my eyes up to, you never really realise how early recruitment can start and happen and when players, you know, you can get a signing of a player, but that might have been done about a month ago. You never know. With these players, it just opens your eyes up to how recruitment's done in this division. Yeah, and I mean, managers in League One have it so hard when you think compared to the Premier League where everyone has a sporting director nowadays, you know, Edu's role at Arsenal. Mm. Um, Liverpool have, uh, Liverpool actually have Charlie Adam as a loan manager and he did uh it sounds really strange i didn't actually realize that until he did a really good interview with uh bbc about his role and how it all works and it, it's a fascinating interview but league one managers have it so hard compared to the premier league and that, that's coming from someone who obviously has an insight into both you know the insight into how a team like Arsenal play and a team like Cheltenham play, it's certainly a gap, I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> but the, the job must be so hard to keep recruiting players mm. and keep the players you currently have playing. Especially if you've got no budget. I mean, you make a very good point. You see, the thing with the managers in the Premier League is they're all support with budget. I mean, in our league, you, you get budget, but then you get the other end of it. You know, take Wigan, for, um, Wigan and, and Reading, for example, where especially Wigan, uh, they had an embargo where they couldn't sign any players. They're having to use youngsters. So, oh, 100% the managers get it a lot harder in League One. It's great if you're a Derby or a Portsmouth where you've got a bit of money, but then you've got the flip side of that side that haven't got a big budget. And then if they've got, you know, big clubs like your Reddings and Wigans that are in the division, they're, they're having to manage... Uh, difficult and even more 
kind of extreme times with what they can do with their budget. So the, these leagues are extremely hard to manage in, extremely hard to manage in. See all those the managers in the top flight, good or bad, they're all supported with a big budget in the Premier League. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break. We'll be back after these messages. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, welcome back to the League One podcast with Look Sports Media. Um, we spoke about teams like Peterborough and signings in January. And obviously with a January window approaching, like Matt said, everyone's going to keep recruit. Everyone's recruitment starts early. Who needs to strengthen the most in League One is probably the biggest question. It's a good question because you've got you've almost got two mini questions within that you got who needs to recruit the biggest to, to compete for the promotion places or who needs to recruit the best to stay up it's a great question because you could split it into into many different into many different parts i think i think if you're looking at league one you're looking at some of those bottom sides certainly think fleetwood need to sort whatever out what's going on at fleetwood it's, it's crazy with them at the minute because they're just conceding goals every week uh, one thing with Fleetwood as well is when I look at their games we played them and, and won their 3-0 recently they, they're always letting in early goals I mean when you look at Fleetwood they're 2-0 down in about 20 minutes 3-0 down in about 30 minutes it's like consistent every week they play certainly think they need a big turnaround of recruitment but then again who's going to want to go and, and join Fleetwood it's, it's really difficult we, we've been it before when you're a team down the bottom and, and, and you're having a season like Fleetwood where you're conceding regularly, you're losing regularly. You, you find what players are going to want to go and play for Fleetwood, what managers are going to want that job. It's really difficult as a bottom side, regardless of what where you are in what league you're in in the Football League. So I certainly think Fleetwood need a massive turnaround there in, in, in the recruitment window. I think if you're looking at the top for who needs a, a big recruitment, I think um, I think Oxford might be on the slide a little bit, you know. I'm um, I'm a little bit not concerned, but I had a feeling that when Manning left, that, that, that they wouldn't be as good, and they're just slowly, surely. I think they're down to sixth now. Um, they're just on the on the slide a little bit, and maybe they need an injection of big recruitment in January because I think their fans are a little bit concerned that they're going to fall out the playoffs and then I mean it's all to play for but I, I think if I'm choosing two teams of who need big recruitment probably Fleetwood on one end for, for where they are and actually I think up the top maybe Oxford maybe Oxford they've got good players maybe Oxford they're, they're just on the slide a little bit yeah no I have to agree with you yeah I've got to agree with you on Oxford um, I mean as well um Manning is how many players are going to want to follow Manning as well because the other thing mm. is how many players have actually I think we spoke about it last week or the week before about how many players are going to feel hard done by by Manning leaving so soon after most of those players with the profile of some of those players like Ruben Rodriguez I have to think that they've um been sold on what uh, Manning was planning for mm. the club and it's sort of gone so early and 
they've got to be thinking, well, hang on. And Manning is actually coming in for uh, one of the Oxford players. Uh, Brannigan's been linked with Bristol yeah. City mm. in the past couple of weeks. Mm. That doesn't surprise me at all. Good player. He, he is yeah. a very, very, very good player. Mm. Um, um, if, I, if I was to pick a top 10 club, I would probably say Charlton. I think they, they've got Alfie May. We've got a supply Alfie point. May. Mm. Um, I think Blackett Taylor is fine. Uh, but I think they need another winger. I think they need another attacking midfielder, and I think they need another fullback. Um, if you're looking at the bottom, uh, Fleet would have been mentioned. Um, the problem Fleet would have is their owners in jail. Um, mm. I'd probably say Carlisle. Um, obviously, with their new owner and uh, potentially a bit of cash for them. Um, the only thing for Carlisle, and this links quite nicely to this point, is. Uh, Paul Simpson, I don't know if you've listened to his interview after Saturday. Um, he, the fans like were calling him effing and jeffing, calling him this and that after the game. And he basically said to them that was out of order. And he's basically just called out all the fans. Um, he said, yes, we, we played poorly in, in the defeat to Blackpool. Um, but he didn't mm. deserve what he got from the fans. And I think that's, yes, Carlisle have been really poor this year. But if you look at mm. their squad, it is a squad that is probably where they are in the league. And I think that's a little bit of the next generation of fans seeing all these Premier League clubs spending money and everyone thinks the answer to success is spending money. And it's mm. not. It, like I'll, I'll use Stevenage as an example. You don't spend big money, but look where you are. Mm. The no. It's about having that unity, top manager, and a fan base that backs you every single week. I, I agree. I think um, I think when I look at Carlisle, and that was quite a surprise actually, because I, I remember when well, we come into League One and, and we knew instantly that it, to be competitive, we needed to upgrade and we needed to sign competitive League One players like your Dan Butlers, your Thompsons who have been doing it up the top of League One to want to be there. And what, what I just don't get with Carlisle is that they just haven't upgraded at all. I just haven't felt like they have made the signings and it's almost like it's quite naive really because you would have thought Paul Simpson with all the experience and and I know that a few people did sound to it a league two experience but still relevant football league experience would have known that you're probably going to need to recruit really well and bring in some league one quality I know they brought Lavelle in who I think is a really good defender but I just I just don't think they've done enough of it and I, I, I do fear for them. If they don't get it right in January, I, th I think they will go as well um, because they're just, for one reason or not, they just haven't done the, the right recruitment needed to, to, to do well in this division, I don't think, with Carlisle. And sure, it's weird because you would have thought Simpson probably would have would have had that down to T coming into, into this division, especially going through the playoffs. Um, he probably would have thought, you know, we weren't one of the top three promoted. We've got to, we've got to make sure that we are good enough for League One as, as a playoff content, a playoff promotion side. So it's weird how that hasn't really happened and, and they are where they are. It's strange, strange. But look, again, recruitment's tough, especially in this division. There's a lot of money. Teams plastering out a lot of money. You've got to have either funds or you've got to have a manager that has got a bit of a resource but there that, that can bring players to your club because they've followed the manager in the past. I know Steve's done that for us. He's brought in players to the club that he's either managed or tried to get in the past. I think, I think if you're a manager, they're the things you've got to try and do if you haven't got a big budget in this division. It's it's interesting that everyone has skipped over Cheltenham needing to strengthen this season. <laughs> or is it, is it just that obvious to everyone that, that we don't even need to talk about obvious. it? I bet you're <laughs> buzzing about that, Chris, as well, right? I bet you're so happy that we haven't even mentioned it. Uh, um... I mean, I'd be the only person not to mention it because even Daryl Platt's been quite vocal about uh, there's been interviews where he said after losses where he said some of these players won't be playing for me again <laughs> uh, next season, this sort of thing. And <clears throat> it, is, it is one of those where sometimes I think, hmm, should you really be saying that as a manager? Mm -hmm. um, but I can't believe I'm saying this after the start of the season we've had. I don't think we need a goal scorer. 
Uh, Will Goodwin's finally started scoring. Um, we just need someone who can create chances for him. And even with Alfie, that was the issue. And you said about needing someone to supply Alfie at Charlton. Charlton were one of my teams who I don't think need anywhere to strengthen because of the type of player Alfie is. He didn't have a supply at Cheltenham to get those goals. A lot of those chances uh because if out if there's no one to create the chance, he'll do it for himself. And he's on 15 in 18 now for Charlton in the league. And I have to put him down as probably the signing of the summer in League One. Yeah, I, I think with May as well, we probably all knew he was gonna do that for Charlton. Do you know what I mean? Like we, I think at the start of the season when he weren't there, it was a little bit like, oh, when's it going to happen? But I think it was inevitable that he was going to eventually score the goals for Charlton, although Charlton, I know they're 10th in, in the league, but yeah, I had a feeling he'd probably end up in the top three, Alfie May. Um, yeah, look, cracking player, cracking player. Um, he's, he's a player that I would have fancy coming into league one, but I'm, I'm sticking true to my roots with big goal, Jamie Reed, big goal, Reedy. That guy is just an absolute monster at the minute. But yeah, Alfie Mays is, is terrific. I had a feeling he'd probably do the things he's doing for Charlton at the minute. Interesting. that There's a, there's a championship side try to come in from him in the next year. What happens with him? Because he's just moved to Charlton. It's kind of a bit like he's top of league one now in terms of the goal scoring. What? I don't know what the contract is, but what what happens with him over the next year? It'd be interesting to see if he moved on quickly again. I think he's got two, three years with the club option. I I know the club have a year option on it, his contract. Mm. Um, but he he's one of those players that everyone takes a bit of a shine to, and mm. um, when Cheltenham sold him, he had the year the club had a year option. He had a year left on his contract with a year option uh, extra for the club. But with all that he'd done for the club, I don't think anyone wanted to take it. With mm. uh, No one wanted to stand in his way. And coincidentally, his final goal for the club came against Charlton. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, that is quite coincidental. He scored on the final day. We drew two all. Crikey. Yeah, that is very good. Do, do you know what, Chris? Actually, I was going to ask... Um, How's uh, I know it's going away from Alfie Mabbit, but how's uh, Tom Pett doing? Um, yeah, he's he's settled in really well, and I think he's part of a reason why our game looks so different compared to uh, how we were before. And again, Clark's been fond of him. We we knew Clark was going to speak highly of him anyway, signing him. But there's been so much stuff about him playing. Uh, I think one of the things Clark said was he's playing for peanuts. <laughs> I um, like um I like Tom. Tom Tom had two stints with us. He had one stint um and then he came back for the season with us in COVID. And Tom's quite a local boy to where we are. He's he's um just the other side of Potts Bar. And uh when on his first stint for us at the club, we we used to go for a beer with Tom quite regularly after games and stuff. Really nice guy, really good player. Um and when I saw that he'd signed from you, I thought, wow, that's a that's a good signing there. That, that's a solid League One player you've got there. Is he? I think I saw that he was captain. Possibly, Visa. I can't remember. Uh, I'm not sure if he's captained us. Um, I'm not even sure who I captain. I think it's normally Long who's captain. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was Liam Sircone because he's been around donkeys now, hasn't he? Oh, he's that's a great guy. 500, 500 appearances or something, isn't he? That was something. Yeah, how old is that guy now? Is he like late 30s? He's, he's got to be, isn't he? Years. Liam Sircone, because I remember him at Bristol, right? He's 33 now. That's 33. Oh, wow. Because yeah. he must have turned a pro at like 17, 16. Yeah. I'm, yeah, he's... he's uh, God. He's certainly... He's one of those. He's been a mainstay in the team. And I think he used to partner went really well with when we had Callum Wright on loan before he joined Plymouth. Mm. Um, and, well, Wright was one of those players that... They, one of those, the old cliche of never fall in love with a loan player. He was mm. brilliant. That was, um, that was the first season I started watching Cheltenham when he was on loan because that was the year I started university uh, with... Uh, at Cheltenham University and 
Callum Wright was just outstanding for us. And when you perform like that on loan, you're never going to stay permanently. And, um, mm. well, he got two transfer moves in the same season. The other, the other team well, I'm going to uh, like to mention is um, Cambridge. Obviously, they got Neil Harris appointed, I think it was last week, and started off with a two-all draw, which actually is quite surprising considering if you watched Neil Harris's Gillingham teams, they never scored more than one goal. Um, how do we think he will get on at Cambridge considering they can't score goals either? Um, <laughs> it's, it's a match made in heaven, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... It's a tough job to take right now with how they're playing. and It's one of those, again, like we said with Exeter and Port Vale, it's just going to be a question of who's worse. I think mm. I think at this point, it's we're beyond asking. Like They're not going to score goals, they're probably, so they're not going to win games. So just put it down to who's going to concede more every game. Am I right in thinking he played for Cambridge as well? Because if that's so, he's obviously managed Millwall, he's managed Gillingham, and now he's gone to Cambridge. So he's only, and he, I think he was manager of Cardiff, so he's only ever managed teams he's actually played for as well. Might be, might play for Cambridge. I'm not sure if he did it. He might have. Because I know in his conference he was, uh, yeah, he, we played for Cambridge City. Oh, oh so okay. Around Cambridge. So, yeah. Good. Do you know what? Could be a good fit, that actually. Harris, you know, it could could be a good fit. Uh, again, I felt a little bit sorry for Virginia. I thought he did quite a good job there. Mm. And Cambridge are in, are in dire straits at the minute. I know, just falling like an absolute rock. They have. I, mean, I remember playing Cambridge. It was our third League One game of the season. That was right at the start of the season. I think we were mm. second. They were first, or we were no, we were yeah. third. They were second. And we won that day. Jamie Reid scored in the eight minutes ago, and we won two one. And I remember thinking, wow. Cambridge after last season, they're up here and then they've just fallen like a rock yeah. over the last they're, four they're the months. Worst, they're the worst team I've seen come to our place this year. Mm. Um, I think actually the, be- the best team to come to our place was either you lot, because of your our style of plays are so different. It's like men versus yeah, they are. Um, yeah. Like I've seen us play Peterborough. They weren't, I, I thought we played quite well against Peterborough. Um, mm. Oxford were very, very good, but mm. um, that was the week Liam Manning left, so there was obviously that sort of style there. Shrewsbury were garbage as well, but mm. they've found a way of winning football matches. Um, did not hold it's, it's back extreme. on Shrewsbury at all there, by the way. No, okay, yeah, no, garbage. garbage, I love that. <laughs> Everyone got garbage. sort of complimented a bit, and then it meant yeah. just I think there was a bit of a hatred for Shrewsbury came out there. <laughs> 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 I have nothing against Shrewsbury. There's certain clubs I have things against, but they would not be mentioned. <laughs> you, you could just imagine seeing all the Shrewsbury fans watching this going, oh, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Shrewsbury fans at the time would agree that when they yeah. were playing, uh, six or seven games ago, they all wanted Taylor out. And now they've put this again, little run together and are pretty happy in mid-table. <laughs> I mean, another team I'd mention for transfers is Lincoln. Mm. Striker. Uh, yeah. yeah. Walker's out. Uh I think Ben House is injured as well. Yeah. They've got a I mean for a I team think... who they nearly broke the record for draws in a season last season. Mm. Um mm. 20 draws. Yeah um, they were really good weren't they at drawing games last year. <laughs> it was one of those where if it was one of those when they drew so many games. The the only way it could have been like perfected was if they just equaled the record and drew with the record for most draws. God, that, do you know? It yeah, just it so reminds 20. me. So reminds me of when we were when we were just rubbish and we had that appalling season in Leeds here. We had Mark Sampson. I love Mark's great, and all we ever did was draw games. And it's almost the same with Lincoln in, in that regard of last year. I used to remember Mark Sampson used to come in his interview and there's there's a massive meme of it. It goes on for about 45 seconds to, to 60 seconds long of him just in post-match interviews just going, we just need to do better. And then it'll go to the next clip and it'll be like, yeah, you know, we'll have a draw today, but we just need to do better. It was like a, it was like a constant thing. It kind of reminds me of Lincoln in a way of their 20-odd draws. Just Can you just imagine whoever is in charge just like... 
come on, lads. Like, we need to win. Get to the next one. Still need to win. Like, it's just a contrasting thing with him. <laughs> it, it, it's one of the funniest statements in football as well. We just need to do better. Well, <laughs> yeah. What do you want your team to do worse and lose? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I remember when Mark Sampson used to come out with it and we were just like, yes, Mark, we do need to do better, but we've got to do better. It's all good going. We need to do better. We know that. We're bottom. Just win. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it would almost have been like Wade Elliott coming out at the start of the season about halfway through. We just need to score a goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we need, it, it just makes it sound so easy, doesn't it? Like, yeah, we, we just need to score. We just need to do better. That's all we need to do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> again, our, our goal our goal is run. The only thing that makes it better is our first goal of the season we couldn't even celebrate because we didn't even score it. It was an own goal. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to be honest though, Chris. When we played you September um, and I remember, I know it ended up 3-0, but you hit the bar in the first 20 minutes or something like that. Whoever hits it should have scored. And I remember going into that game and just going we can't be the team to concede here first. I remember sitting there when you hit the bar, stood there and everyone was like, when you hit the bar, it gone out. We were like, oh my God. Like, I remember that. Remember that back in September. I mean, again, going back to Lincoln and draws, they drew again at the weekend. And we <laughs> stick to the theme of Benny Hill music as well with just what had happened in that game. You've got the pass back, which was strange to say the mm. least. I, I know it comes off the strikers. Uh, I know it's deflected off a striker, but there's no way the ref's seen it, right? No, I, unless the lino's had a word in his ear, but that lino's going to have 2020 vision to see that. Um, it is. And I think Wigan had a goal disallowed as well, didn't they? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, so they're doing quite well, to be fair, to Wigan. I, Wigan Sean Maloney's I... got them playing some really good stuff. I think if, on the theme of, it seems every club needs a striker. Um, they've obviously got Callum Lang, Stephen Humphreys, who seems to play out wide a bit more. And um, there's obviously talk of Charlie White going. So they're going to be after oh. a number nine. But defensively, they look really good. Obviously, with the issues they've had over the summer, I think they just need a transfer window. To say yeah. they've obviously not actually had one yet. Um, but they're up to fourteenth now, I think. Yeah, yeah, up to up to up to fourteenth. Yeah, up to fourteenth. And I suppose if you take the eight, give them the eight points, like they would be on thirty-one. So they would be with their goal difference, they would be ninth where Lincoln are. So. Um. And I mean, again, playoffs, there's so many teams who could creep into them, like Barnsley, Blackpool. But are, are Lincoln, Lincoln are one of those we always talk about. They creep around the playoffs. And it, it's sort of a will-they-won't-they they situation with Lincoln and the playoffs. They always mm. seem to miss out after sitting mm. mid-table. And obviously, strikers massive. And I think with them being without they got two really good strikers and with them both being out i think but it's just tired it's just look towards the academies in the premier league for a loan sort of thing hmm. yeah there's um, a name who i really want us to get but i think he'd probably suit lincoln as well is jamie donnelly from spurs i know he's been on the bench the last three or four games but the clips i've seen of him he looks like the type of striker that would suit lincoln with their new style of play also for lincoln a big thing is keeping hold of um ethan uh, a Ho Hun, who they got from Scotland last year. Yeah, um, mm. I think he's one of the best midfielders in this division. So they've, they've got to do their best to keep hold of him. And that, that's that mm. Saint Mirren connection coming to the EFL again as well. Where mm. They've sold a lot of players to um, the EFL recently, and I think they sold one to Crystal Palace as well in the past few years. So there's certainly we speak about the Irish connection in the EFL, but there's not much of one with the Scottish connection really. Mm. And there are a lot more Scottish t players from the Scottish League coming over than people realise, I think. Yeah, there was a manager, I don't know where he went, there was a, a manager who came from Scotland, so I think it was a League 2 club, 
brought loads of players from like League One, like Scottish League One, Scottish League Two, to them, and they were really, really bad. Like you've got to get the right ones. Like Owen Moxon, I think he come from Annan in Scotland, and he's been outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously with the Irish connection, we've had Aidan Keener at Cheltenham Town, who it's a strange one because he he didn't start at the weekend. He didn't start with Will Goodwin, and it was a bit bit strange because I I thought to myself, well, surely we'd want Goodwin and Keener uh, starting together, considering we have a player from the Arsenal Academy on the bench to bring on anyway. Uh, we have Nathan Butler Odiyeji. I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, who's just come through. But on the academies, it's obviously coming up to January, the Premier League 2 will be... Teams will be looking at their how players have played in the Premier League 2 and thinking, well, you shouldn't be playing there anymore and that sort of thing. And it's a strange one when I say that because you look at Balogun at Arsenal. He spent way too long in the Premier League 2 for his abilities. He, he yeah. couldn't get a loan move. He couldn't break into the Arsenal first team. And I think with that time, he could be a lot further in his career if he'd been given a year earlier and come to League One. But instead, he got that extra year, went to the Championship. And he, he did really well with Middlesbrough in the Championship, to be fair. But I think a loan one move could have... A league, loan one move? A League One move could have took him further yeah, speaking on the on strikers, I suppose one club we probably should mention in terms of they have a striker is Blackpool, and they yeah. have Jordan Rhodes on loan from Huddersfield. With, I know this is probably for the Championship probably but with Huddersfield's lack of goals, I wouldn't be surprised if Huddersfield were looking at potentially getting him back, which would leave Blackpool incredibly short, considering I believe he has got thirteen goals in sixteen starts, so that'll be a little mm-hmm. big gaping hole for them. Um, I did mm. read about that the other day, funny enough, and Blackpool have said they're confident they're keeping him. Mm. But whether As... it stays that way, I'm not sure. But you've got to think Darren Moore is looking at Jordan Rhodes and thinking That's... he's the answer to what Huddersfield are in. And especially because I know trying to stay away from a championship as much as possible, obviously. But it's not a case. It it was a case of those teams at the bottom would be looking at the bottom three going. I don't think we're in any danger, but with the way QPR look, obviously they they might be now. Yeah, mm, I'd say yeah, so. Jordan, I think Jordan Rhodes is that type of striker that needs an arm around him as well, and just has faith of a manager. Um, Darren Moore seems like that kind of manager. Um, so that would be interesting. Another one would be, I suppose, Devante Cole at Barnsley as well. He, he's back scoring goals. He's got an absolute peach um, against Reading. Um, so another striker, I suppose, that could be touted for a championship move, I suppose. And yeah. I can't believe I'm about to say this with the fact that they're beating Bolt, uh, Bolton 1-0, but I think Portsmouth do need a striker, not a prolific one, I just think they need someone to ease the pressure off Colby Bishop and not just ease the pressure, but if he gets injured, I think Portsmouth would be in a lot of trouble if he got injured. Do you know, there's there's a couple of the sides up there that if they lost a striker, they'd be in big trouble. And they're they're one of them. I I think this is the thing is you've got certain sides, we say Blackpool, you lose one of those strikers, those sides are, are, are in big trouble with, with how big those players are. I mean, even for us, if we lost Jamie Reid, it's a guy that scored 13 goals, won us 16 or 10 or points or something. It's the same for Portsmouth with Bishop, same for Barnsley with Devante Cole. You know, I know we said that even that about Peterborough with Johnson Clark Harris, with him, they'd be brilliant. It's, it's really tough for those sides with big strikers who you think, you know, because... The thing is, as well, with with your strikers in League One, it's a little bit different in League One than it is League Two. When, when you've got a goal scorer in League Two, I always feel like if, if you get a championship side coming, sometimes the, the jump can be too much. But from the top of League One to the championship, you're more inclined for those players to play and you're more inclined for those championship sides to come for those certain players that are having big seasons in League One. Um, and it's the same with all of those sides. I, I, 
if any one of those sides lost any one of those strikers, they'd all been they'd area A side. Um, do you know what I mean? I think the I think the only club that is safe if they lost a striker would be Bolton. They've got I think they've got the Lund the Lundaloo from Southampton, Victor Adiboyjo, mm. Dion Charles, and they've uh, they've got that is Icelandic Varsen. Yeah, the Icelandic geezer. Bob yeah. Varsen. So that they're they're happy. It, it it's funny you say Bolton and and uh Alundalu because he spent a see he spent time with us at Cheltenham and uh, <laughs> I just <laughs> I, I can't even think what to say about him because he just didn't look like he belonged there. Whether it's the club or whether it was him, I don't know. Um, I know he spent time with Lincoln fans at uh, Lincoln on loan, and there might be Lincoln fans who agree, but he just looked out of his element with us and didn't look interested, which is weird because on the pitch he didn't look interested, but he'd always be one of the only players to come over to the fans after a loss sort of thing. Hmm. And obviously trying to be completely respectful because it's not an easy game. We know it's not, and we know how competitive League One is. But how Southampton, how he was at a club who were in the Premier League just baffled me. <laughs> There's certain players that come to you on loan, it's like and some of them have like been on the bench of Premier League clubs and have played one or two games. It's like how the hell have you just come from there? It's almost like you're uh, there on the set of like a show like Impractical Jokers or something. Yeah. And it's like, just got an earphone in, now spoon it and hit the corner flag sort of thing from yeah. a six-yard <laughs> box. <laughs> uh, that's all we've got time for today on the League One Look Sports Media podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, don't forget to check out all our social medias. We're on Twitter, we're on TikTok. We've got the Barrow Crossbar Challenge that just went out. Thanks very much for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.